0: Phil for 19 months when he popped the question. I like to round up and say two years. It sounds more appropriate. Actually, he sort of blurted it rather than popped, in a very unPhilip moment. If I was a betting woman, I'd have put money on Phil being the type of man to propose in a controlled environment, like a restaurant, or in front of some significant building or beautiful sunset. I'd have guessed that he'd buy a ring in advance, go down on one knee and recite a rehearsed speech, asking me to do him the honour, etc., etc. In fact, he yelled over gushing water. He was wearing marigold rubber gloves at the time. I think his exact words were, ''We'd better get married before you cause any more trouble.'' How could a girl resist?'' at the time I was flat-sitting for a flamboyant and wealthy fashion designer friend of Amelie's while she flitted around the globe to be inspired by spices in Morocco and sunsets in Cape Town or similar. I found the fashion designer's Clerkenwell space horribly intimidating. I was surrounded by white walls, white sheets, white settees, white crockery and white towels, all of them waiting for me to stain, spoil, scuff or spot. I lived in a state of perpetual nervousness for three months. Inevitably, the horror I imagined became a reality. I blocked the -the state-of-the-art waste disposal unit with the remnants of a very average Chinese takeaway, and I left a tap running as I rushed out to work. I returned to find a blocked sink and a flooded kitchen. Philip arrived 30 minutes after I called him. He unblocked the sink, mopped up the spill and assured me that he'd source, buy and refit the water-damaged kickboards and tiles. I agreed to marry him that instant. Besides, while Philip was being photographed by speed cameras as he dashed to East London to help me, I took a call from Amelie, who, with an eerie calmness that I later identified as shock, told me that Ben, her partner for eleven years, had been knocked over by a bus. Dear, dear Ben, exuberant, amusing, vibrant Ben was buying a copy of Esquire and a packet of chewing gum one moment, and the next he was dead. It was the bus, not the blocked U-bend, that most encouraged me to accept Philip's proposal, but I never, ever acknowledge as much sadness and fear seem inappropriate reasons to accept a marriage proposal laura
1: although it is 10:45 pm i consider this a perfectly acceptable time to call my busy mate bella she knows it takes me until about now to find space in my day to talk it's not that my friends are a low priority it's just that Eddie, my son, is four years old, and while he appears more than moderately intelligent, he seems to have a deaf spot where certain phrases are concerned. Can't you amuse yourself for a moment? Mummy has to make a telephone call, and time for bed, being the ones that spring most readily to mind. When I met Bella, over three years ago, she worked as a waitress in a cafe, which is where I met her. In those days, she was overworked, underpaid and not glossy. Now the opposite is true. I was newly separated from my husband. Oscar left when Eddie was six months old. He said he needed to find himself, which is male cowards speak for I've met someone else. Bella and I met just two months after the frankly gobsmacking catastrophic event. At that time, the greatest distance I'd managed to wander from home was to the local child-friendly cafe in the high street. Its appeal was that I didn't really have to make any effort there at all. All the customers had squealing babies or unruly toddlers. Looking ratchet, rolls of postnatal fat and gaunt, sleep-deprived faces were de rigueur. I was sure that I merged into the noisy fray, and that's what I wanted. However, it appeared my trust in my camouflage, elasticized Dax, grey face and scungy hair, was misplaced. I still stood out. I discovered as much when one day a waitress, Bella, said to me, You really are quite fucking miserable, aren't you? I looked up and was greeted by the broadest smile.